This episode is dedicated to Representative John Lewis. Congressman Lewis held office in Congress for over 20 years and actively fought against the status quo to work towards a more perfect union. During the Civil Rights Movement, Mr. Lewis was arrested upwards of 20 times and at least five additional times while in office. He was convinced that his work was not done, and he put his own body and life on the line time and time again to fight for equal rights for all. Representative Lewis was a role model, a legend, a patriot, and a true American hero. Rest in power, King. Welcome to Blacklight, the podcast that keeps it light while talking blackness. We're your hosts, Sheldon, Jason, Warren, and Julian. We're here to cast blackness in a new light from a fresh, finessed perspective. Every episode, we examine a social issue or current event through an unapologetically black lens. The show exists because in today's media climate, the experiences and perspectives of color are often unseen or overlooked. We wanted a place to share stories of black people, by black people, for all people. This is that place. This is Black Light. So Julian, what we uh, what are we talking about today? So recently we've been talking about our experience with protests and we talked about how some of the reasons for that were because we want to be heard as a group. But who do we turn to when we're not being heard as an individual? You know, I think it's always important mm. to discuss mental health. But today I really want to get into what it means to go to therapy while black. So I want to just open it up and ask you guys, what comes to your mind when you guys hear the words mental health? And I want to start off with you, Sheldon. Wow, man, that's a that's a pretty big question. But I think that one, first and foremost, my experience and my thoughts have changed on the idea of mental health over the years. I think I used to have definitely a negative connotation attached to that. And I definitely shied away from that. And that wasn't something that I would like to talk about publicly. But now I see mental health as something that is a necessity. It's something that we all really should be investing in. And it's not taboo. It's only taboo because we don't talk about it. I'll say that I've gone through, I've done therapy a couple of times or seen a therapist a couple of times, and I found it to be so rewarding just from the progress that I've made personally and my ability to work through my own thoughts, feelings, emotions, traumas, that type of thing. So I definitely have changed my perspective on what mental health and mental therapy means to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's absolutely uh, an important point, Sheldon. What, What about you, Jason? Well, I think my experience has been an evolution, kind of what Sheldon was saying. I was probably more on the spectrum of, well, you know, I don't need to go to a therapist because there's nothing wrong with me. I'm I'm not crazy. You know, it, it was one of sort of ignorance about the profession itself. But as you develop and, and grow as a person, you realize that everybody needs someone to talk to, to explain stuff to. And it's a, you know, very valuable profession, but it's been one of a, a, a growth down. I, I, I've never actually taken 
personal therapy, but my wife and I have done um, premarital and I guess postmarital counseling. And it was extremely beneficial. Actually, the person that I ended up going to actually was suggested by Sheldon, but it it really helped us out. And I gained a new level of respect for that profession just because we were able to work out so many things that just the two of us were not able to. So just having that third person there to react in real time and not really on either one of our sides and someone who's actually professional was, was really helpful. So I mean, to me, it's it's one of those things where we acknowledge that we should go see a doctor every so often just to make sure everything's going okay with our bodies. And we go to the dentist just to make sure everything's okay with our teeth. But we don't talk to anybody about our mental health. It doesn't make any sense to me that we wouldn't go see someone every once in a while just to make sure that our brain was working the way that we wanted it to. And as... As someone that thinks of himself as an athlete, I think it doesn't make any sense to not want someone to help coach you to get better, right? In any, in any part of my life, I want people in place to make sure that I'm being the best that I can be. And it doesn't make any sense to me that I wouldn't also have someone that is attacking or, or tweaking my mindsets and my thoughts and how I'm dealing with things because how I'm thinking and and feeling has a direct impact on what I do and I say every day. Absolutely. And what I'm hearing from you guys too is uh, when we talk about mental health, obviously we talk about therapy and therapy really is just a subcategory of mental health. So mental health just in general means just taking some time to ourselves, maybe gather our thoughts. I know for me, one of the, and I've explained to you guys, one of the things that has really helped me in general, just to have that time to myself is editing this podcast, right? Like I can sit here, I'm just relaxing. I'm on the bed or wherever I am. And it just brings me so much peace to escape any of the the stressors that are going on. Might've had a tough day at work or whatever it might be shoot, I'm, I can't wait to clock out and just, you know, open up the laptop and, and, and chop up something. So I think it's real important that when we talk and when we independently talk to people about mental health, it doesn't always mean therapy. Uh, but while we're on the subject of therapy, what's been your experience growing up? Like, what were you taught when you were growing up about therapy? We'll just start again with you, Sheldon. Man, I got to be honest, therapy wasn't something that was really talked about when I was younger and definitely growing up. It wasn't until probably man into my twenties or something like that, where I really started to hear things about that and maybe hearing other people going to therapists. But again, it was still pretty taboo. And I think even now, I mean, it's definitely more prevalent now, but just in terms of even taking time to yourself to center and make sure that you know what you want and what you need in life, that kind of stuff was more like just push it down, especially as a, as a guy, push it down, uh, subvert your feelings. Don't talk about that kind of stuff. Just find a way and move forward. So that's kind of been my experience growing up in that, man, that's actually having to undo a lot of that. And as an adult has been oh, yeah. incredibly challenging, Oh yeah, but incredibly worthwhile. And I'm looking forward to talking about more of that. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Jason? Well, I was taught uh, 
that in the black community, you don't have no real problems. <laughs> if you just woo, call on the Lord, if you call on white Jesus, then all your problems will go away. There is no such thing as mental health, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you just go to Leviticus 7, 9, all your problems, John 3, 16, all your problems will go away. So there's no real thing as mental health. You just go to your pastor and your pastor will reconcile all your iniquities. So basically, (laughs) (laughs) that took a lot out of me. No, that is basically, you know, that was the mental for, for so many black people. You were sort of costed out of actual therapy. So the, the pastor was, you know, kind of that force service the, the, the congregation, the flock. So for me, that was more, if anything was going wrong, that you just go to the church. And people find a lot of comfort in the church. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that they don't, and it's not helpful, extremely helpful, but I think you have to go to a licensed professional. So that's kind of where, you know, I, I think that our community could do a better job in other communities as well. Um, it's just not the black community, but you need a actual licensed professional who can help you sort through a lot of those things. So, so you true. also have to have yep. access to one. You have to feel like if you went to one, you wouldn't be outcast from your, your group or your family. You have to feel like people do this that are like you. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if the black community, like as a whole, feels that yeah. way right now. Because uh, I, I was talking to my wife, and and one of her family members said, you know, she they, they were talking about a therapist or you know seeing somebody a counselor. It's like, oh, that's just white people shit, mm. which is a crazy comment. It's mm-hmm. just like yeah. black people, as, we expect ourselves to be superhumans and be able to overcome so i mean we we have so much thrown at us at a, at a daily at a daily basis but we're just expected to do all this awesome shit all the time and yeah. without help and you know that is one thing that i think our community needs is that healing is that self-care and you know promotion of of good emotional health and intelligence and that that is really lacking throughout really this this country. We've also talked about trauma a lot on this podcast. Yep. I mean, mo- many of the episodes were literally about a certain type of trauma. And the idea that we have no one to turn to or no one to talk to about those things besides the the one person in the community that's there to talk to literally everybody in the community about yeah. everything that they're going through that's that's too much you need someone you need someone for you designed to spend time with you that is taking time to spend time with you to talk about those things yeah and i wanted to add that you know going to therapy or having someone to talk to it doesn't mean that you're broken it doesn't mean Absolutely. that you're right. you know you have less value or that you inherently there's something wrong it just means that you have the insight enough to say I need to talk to someone mm-hmm. and for people, for anybody who thinks that they don't need anyone to talk to, that they've got it all figured out on their own. Life will teach you that that is not <laughs> how it works. Absolutely, It sure will. And I mean, yeah. it's just really, really important. And the sooner I think that people can realize that it's not a macho thing. It's yeah. not a, a man or a woman thing or anything like that. It, it truly is. 
if you don't have a place to put your thoughts and your feelings, they will go somewhere. And mm-hmm. typically it doesn't work out well when they come <laughs> out all at once. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and kind of getting on that whole macho theme, I, I remember one of the one of the craziest conversations I had being just young, dumb and full of myself. Um, when I was in college, <laughs> I was in a jurisprudence class, really smart teacher, Dr. Brown. And we were just talking about emotion. I don't know how we went from jurisprudence like law to emotion. But I said something to the effect that that floored my professor and it was just basically crying. I was like, well, crying is a form of weakness. That, like, that's a weakness. And my professor, who was this, who was a super woke feminist, you know, kind of icon in Virginia, she's like, what are, what are you talking about? You, you know, there's so much power that you can get from letting your emotions go and not bottling them up inside like that, you know, when you're able to like harness that. But, you know, my whole thing was, I I was just so stuck. I'm like, no, well, I get what you're saying, but it's a form of weakness. And I just wish I could go back to my, I guess, 22 year old self and just smack the hell out of myself. Like (laughs) you, like, it's okay to cry. You know, it's, it's okay. Like you're actually showing weakness by not crying, by holding that in by converting that to, to anger and aggression and where, because that energy goes somewhere. And you're, you're limiting yourself in terms of the range of human emotion. When you, a lot of times people think that, you know, they're angry about things, but it turns out if you just scratch the surface a little bit and dig a little bit deeper, you'll often find, as Warren was saying, there's a, a trauma there, there's a pain, there's a hurt. And that is not, typically resolved through anger. It's typically resolved through accepting or coming to terms with that feeling or that emotion and being able to literally live with that and say, it's okay to feel this way. This is part of being human. Like it does not mean like, because you're not happy right now that you have a bad life or that things are terrible. It means that you're just going through an experience. And I think it's important for people to remember that. Absolutely. And uh, just like what you were saying earlier, Sheldon, growing up, therapy was definitely nothing that my family never talked to me about in the house. And really, the only information I got regarding therapists were on TV and, uh, you know, TV or movie and say, oh, something happened. So I need to go see a shrink, you know, and they, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and then you have like the 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 misnomers like, oh, yeah, I need to go talk to a psychiatrist. I need to go talk to a psychologist. I need to go talk to a therapist or whatever. But, you know, the reality is that these are all different professions and it's, it's easy to lump them in there when you see that the root cause for people to go and see all these people are I'm crazy, you know, oh, I'm crazy mm-hmm. and I need to go here so I can get fixed. Like when somebody says, oh, I went to a therapist and they gave me a prescription for something like, well, you know, psychiatrists do that. If you have, you know, a licensed therapist that's going to talk to you about things, they're, they're, they're talking things out with you and they're, they're, they're doing a lot, of, uh, a lot of work with you to find out where the root cause of the ways that you think, your behavior, uh, your traumas, and, and talking a lot of things. And so I think there's lots of misconceptions about why people go to therapy. And I think it's probably most, uh, I don't want to say most prevalent, but it's definitely prevalent within the black community. You know, that whole, oh, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. Why do I need to go talk to a stranger? Right. You know, or, you know, you grew up, it's like, well, I made it this far in life. You know, nothing can be, nothing can be wrong with me now. I have to be seen as strong. I don't like to talk about my feelings. Like you were saying Mm -hmm. earlier, Sheldon, it's taboo to talk about pain. 
and and also we're told that we're tough right Mm mm-hmm we're told that we're tough mm-hmm. as black men. Mm-hmm. So and that we have it doesn't make tough. any sense yeah. for black men to cry. Right. It doesn't make any sense for black men to be having a hard day and to just like need some self-care. That doesn't seem to fit in the narrative of hyper-masculine black male macho man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that whole, that whole concept of vulnerability is weakness. It's one of the biggest myths out there. <laughs> you know, being vulnerable is actually one of the strongest things you can do. You know, you're in the process of healing and healing looks different for everybody, just like trauma looks different for everybody. And so I think that's a that's definitely a root level conversation. I think within the black community, too, what which uh, Reverend Jason so eloquently put it earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is that, you know, oh, you know, we don't, we don't need to go talk to a licensed professional. You know, God got this. We, we're going to go to church. You know, well, we're going to go to church today, which you know works for some people. And that's that's fine. Uh, I think. Another thing is, what do we do? We go to the barbershop, you know, oh man, you know, you know, like I got my, got my girl pregnant, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, while you're getting that fresh cut, you know what I mean? And, you know, <laughs> no, I don't know what you mean, Julian. Go on though. <laughs> <laughs> Was this an actual conversation you had? <laughs> it's just something that's, you know, it's, it's what like barbershop you know, are you going to, <laughs> but I, I will say though, my barbershop quick, my guy's been cutting my hair since I was since I was like 17 has given me some of the best advice, but again, he's not a licensed professional, but (laughs) he has given me some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, because people who are hesitant about seeking therapy, they think, Oh, I don't, I don't need advice from anybody, a stranger. A good therapist will not give you advice. Uh, I want to be very clear about that. Therapists, you're not going to sit in a chair in front of a therapist and they're going to give you advice. That's, that is not a good therapist. You know, they're going to ask you questions. They're going to ask you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to ask you some of these tough questions that maybe you don't want to look in the mirror and ask yourself. And I, I like the whole analogy, right? The whole analogy of, you know, mental health versus going to the gym, right? You know how Planet Fitness has is like the whole no judgment zone. I don't know if mm-hmm. any of you guys. Yeah. Are it's not a real gym, Fitness, but OK. But so mm-hmm. therapy is kind of like that in the sense that, you know, you're going into a gym and you're you're working on yourself, but you're not there to be judged. And also within that analogy, you know, they have personal trainers at a gym. And I would think of the therapist not necessarily as a personal trainer, but more as a set of weights. Right. And you can use them as you want. Like maybe one day you want to challenge yourself a little bit more, you know, build a, a muscle group. And something you want to work on. Right. And other days you want just a light workout. You know, you go into the therapist, you know, I had a good week. You know, my mom's not beating up on me. Right. You know, whatever it might be. Mm. And and um, that's that's when I that's how I explain it to people. And it's been really helpful to use that analogy because there is such a such just a negative uh, a negative feeling that that many people in the black community that I've spoken to have about therapy. And it's been one of the most healing experiences of my life. And uh, I've I've certainly known what it's like to go to a therapist in some of my uh, my toughest times and also in some of my best times, you know, and I think it's just been a a valuable experience. And it sounds like uh, a lot of you guys have have had that uh, that positive experience as well. Yeah, I wanted to also add, Julian, that one of the first times I really saw the extensive value of therapy, it wasn't just from the things that I gained from it, but it was actually what other people gained from me from going to therapy. Mm -hmm. And it turned out, so one of my good buddies who lives in DC, 
Uh, we were helping some friends move one day and we were just in the car by ourselves and we just got to talking like guys do. And instead of talking about sports and women and all that other stuff, somehow I just felt compelled to open up to him about just life, relationships, you know, things that had brought me to DC, what I was focused on, what I wanted to learn and grow, how I wanted to grow and things that I wanted to achieve. And therapy helped me to be comfortable talking about those things with another man, which typically mm -hmm. we're not opening up about our emotions and our feelings and our hopes and our dreams with other dudes. But it got me to that place where I definitely felt like being vulnerable is not a weakness. And so I felt comfortable talking about those things so much so that after the conversation, I didn't think much of it, but he certainly did. And he made sure to verbalize that with me and he just thanked me for it. And he was like, bro, I don't think I've ever had a brother come up to me and talk to me about the stuff that you talk to. And it felt so good. And like, it was just a, a complete 180 from anything that he had experienced and I was like, wow, man, this has some real power here. Like if I can take what I've learned and share that with other people and make them feel comfortable sharing their own stories and their own traumas and their hopes and wishes and excitements, that's awesome. Mm. And so that's a big takeaway that I've had from it. And I'm always growing and learning and just continue to make mistakes for sure. But therapy and being able to talk to somebody or understanding more about mental health and what it means to be mentally healthy and that just means, like you said, Julian, taking time for yourself or finding something that you like, whether it's a retreat from the world. Man, these things are just so important and we can really help to lift each other up when we really open ourselves up to healing and to to growth because mm -hmm. we all have things that we can work on. Yeah, I, I know I can I can absolutely relate to that experience, being able to open up to somebody that you never really thought you would be able to talk to about those things is a liberating experience. I found it sounds like you did too. So. Yeah, for sure. But Julian, you, maybe you can tell the people kind of your background a little bit because I'm sure people are listening like, man, Julian sounds super knowledgeable about a lot of these things. Like what is your background? Almost exactly? like we would call him an expert. Yeah. <laughs> no. Huh. no. Yes. Did not expect Don't be shy that. about your credentials, Go bro. Yeah. Talk your shit. No. So I'm a child welfare social worker. I have a master's degree, a master's in social work focusing on uh, clinical behavioral health. And uh, a lot of what I've learned is obviously about the importance of therapy and learning about different uh, therapy modalities. And wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Can, can you break that, that, that word down? <laughs> what, Which don't, word? Don't you went super Jason. fast. Like, yeah, break it down for Jason. You just learn about the, the impact of trauma. You learn therapy. There's different, there's like family therapy. There's, you know, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. There's, there's a whole. There's tons uh, of different um, therapy styles. Yeah, gotcha. Right. Modalities are just styles. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's, uh, there are a lot of components to what I do that are very rewarding. It's something that I'm certainly uh, passionate about talking about. I think that being able to have this conversation in general with the world and especially with anybody whose initial stance is, I don't want to go to therapy. I don't feel that I need to go to therapy is one of my favorite topics to tackle. Um, but I, I did want to ask some, for you guys who went to therapy. So Warren and, and Sheldon, when you were seeking a therapist, how much did you take race into consideration when looking for a therapist? So <laughs> there are very few therapists in my area that are in network oh, man. and the therapists that are in network in my area 
didn't have space to take on anybody. So at that point, I was just going, who can I see? Who is available that can actually meet with me consistently? And it took me it took me a few weeks to find a therapist. And at that point, I didn't care what race this person was. I had had three family deaths like back to back to back mm-hmm. within like a year, I guess. And starting with my my dad. Right. So. I wanted to make sure that I was dealing with this grief properly. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like it was a a necessarily a a really sticky black issue. So I wasn't really concerned with whether or not this person was black. I needed someone that I was going to feel safe talking to. And I didn't necessarily know that I was going to feel safe talking to this person until I had two or three sessions with them. So after I had the first few sessions, that's when I went, okay, this feels good. I'm going to continue with this person. She is not black. She is, uh, not a male. It sounds like (laughs) she is not a male. It's a white woman. And she's also hard of hearing, uh, which could have been an issue, but didn't have to be. She made it very clear at the beginning that she was hard of hearing. And so if, if that was going to be a problem for me, no problem. She could probably recommend me to somebody else, but if I was okay with it, then she was okay with it. And some of my previous encounters with people with hearing disabilities came into play here. And it actually made me feel more comfortable that oh, good. Yeah. Uh, she had, she was hard of hearing and we were just sort of both in a, a weird situation together. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if it was weird. It probably wasn't weird for her cause she does this all day, but yeah. <laughs> to me it was like, okay, cool. I don't understand this situation that kind of gives me no precedent to to put on a mask in this in this conversation. I just sort of went in and said, this is who I am. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. Am I doing it right? And she asked a lot of questions to make sure that I was sort of handling everything the way that was most healthy for me. And then I kept seeing her because it's just better. My life is better when I have someone to throw mental ideas and and emotional complicated thoughts around with to figure out how I feel and not have to really worry about what they feel mm-hmm. associated with the situation, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't have to feel I don't have to worry about what my fiance thinks when I'm talking about it. I don't have to feel like I have to worry about what my family is thinking when I say how I'm feeling, I can just say, this is how I'm feeling. And she can go, okay, cool. And then, and then expound upon that or, or deviate from that to figure out what we can do to make sure that I'm processing things correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that neutral, that neutral aspect of. Exactly. Okay. It's beautiful. Yeah. What about you, Sheldon? Yeah, I've thought about this for quite some time, actually, and it turns out that race did have a part to play in the therapist that I selected, but I didn't realize that at the time. And it turns out that I subconsciously selected the therapist that I did because I had actually seen a picture of this person who was a woman and a white woman. Gasp. But actually, <laughs> part of it, part of it was that 
she reminded me a lot of my mother. And mm. for that reason, I'm very close with my mother and my mother has always been very non-judgmental. And we've always been able to connect on, a, on an emotional level. And because of that, I was just drawn to this person and it turned out it was amazing. It was absolutely just, I mean, just the amount of self-growth that I was able to achieve and the things that I was able to work through just because I felt comfortable talking to this person. It was pretty incredible. Right. It's like a, like that transference. Like when you ascribe a, an attribute of somebody that you know to somebody who resembles yeah. Yeah, the person that you're, you're that's a to. That's a great way to put that, Julian. And I think that if you want a quick and dirty, like how to approach therapy, like if you're, I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but, and maybe even get some reactions, <laughs> but here's what I have found. If you are a man and you're seeking therapy, it's helpful to examine your relationship to your mother. Mm. And if you're a woman and you are seeking <laughs> therapy, it is helpful to examine your relationship to your father. Now, this doesn't cut across all scenarios, right? Because right. I can hear people listening and saying, well, you know, we have two mothers or two fathers. Mm -hmm. and I, I understand that. But I'm just saying in general, a lot of things can be explained by your relationship to your parents mm -hmm. and because they raised you. And yeah. a lot of the your hopes and your dreams and the things that you think about the world really come from your parents or the people who raised you. And with that comes a lot of questioning and as you become an adult, especially because you have to ask yourself, well, I'm an adult now and I don't believe what my parents taught me. That happens often. And then you have to wonder, well, was I lied to as a child? You know, what did mm, I miss? Yeah. How do I fix this thing? Especially when we look at our parents, a, a good one. And this was a big part of therapy for me was actually just looking at my parents' relationship. And really, I realized as a child that I held their relationship in such high regard and high esteem that when things didn't work out between them. I took it so personally and actually took on a lot of what they were going through. Right. And it caused so many issues for me that I didn't realize. And I don't blame them for that. That was something that I had to work through. Mm -hmm. But, you know, yeah. that, was a, that was a real challenge. That was a real challenge to be able to work through that. But to be able to see, okay, that I've got to lean into and try to have a better understanding of yeah. how I relate to my mother and how I relate to my father and what that means. You know, if there's an opportunity to do that, or who these people are in your life, I think it's just so important. And it really can uncover a lot of, a lot of hidden gems there. Yeah. And it kind of going to your point, you just said, you know, it's, as far as getting somebody that connection between like your father and mother and, and, you know, how you feel comfortable with your therapist and, and selecting that therapist based on that. I know the, the uh, marital therapist that you recommended What was a black woman mm -hmm. and we've had three different counselors and the one that I felt the, the most connected to reminded me of my mom, you know, where I was able to express myself and not feel judged or feel loved. And, and that's usually whenever I found myself in life expressing those feelings, it usually was to a black woman. So I felt most comfortable with her. I mean, we had a white family therapist and we had a totally different outcome to that experience. But my wife had a completely different response to that counselor that we had. So I think that that is very important. Though. What about you, Julian? I'll put it this way. The times that I have been in a position to seek individual therapy, I did search a black therapist. And part of the reason for that was, I think, because of some of the things that I've learned in school and that 
you definitely want to make sure that you're you're working with a therapist who at least has like a, a base level understanding of you culturally. And that's something that's really big for me. Like I know not necessarily that this would that this would come up in session, but I wouldn't want to take any time during session to have to explain to a therapist that doesn't look like me why I feel that I need to dress a certain way when I go in public or why I need to say pardon, why I feel that I need to say pardon me when at the grocery store. Or As opposed why, to, hey, yo, let me get right past you. Hey, yo, yeah, yo let me slide past, man. <laughs> hey, yo, man. <laughs> you know. Um, you don't want them to have to be a subscriber to Blacklight? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, listen to this. <laughs> Take this as a copay. Uh, so that's that was something that was really big with me. And uh, kind of what you were saying, Warren, is uh, the people that I found, unfortunately, were one, not close to, not geographically close to where I was. And two, they weren't in network. And so I, I will I will say this. I mean, I have worked with uh, with therapists and I just there was no connection. And yeah. uh, after a few sessions, we concluded. And, you know, and when that happens, when you after you explain yourself and you really open up to somebody, it is kind of draining. And you think about, do I want to seek another therapist and just have to explain the same thing yeah. over? So it, it's um, it is there are some some aspects of it that are trial and error. Uh, but you know, I've, I've had a lot more success in, in couples counseling and couples therapy than I have in individual therapy. And I I think more couples should do premarital counseling. I I, I think, I honestly think we wouldn't have the number of divorces that we have in this country and really throughout the world. We wouldn't have the number of marriages that we have. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out we are not compatible (laughs) at all. (laughs) Actually, I hate you. No, um, no, (laughs) No, I, I just think that that's so important and, and I'm not sure, I almost feel like that should be a requirement. You know, you have to get a license to, to do anything. I mean, you have to get a marriage license as well, but I feel like there should be mandatory training that people have to go through, even if it's just economic, like what type of financial situations could we be in or, you know, scenarios could we be in? What do you think about that? Or you know, just general compatibility. Like, I, I honestly think that should just be a part of being married that they should mandate. How do you say mandate? Well, take your rules out of my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, within the within the black community, obviously, we're not talking about everything as a whole, but certainly one of the common uh, trends and reservations that people have in terms of going to therapy is the uh, we talked about trauma a little bit, but just in terms of historical trauma, which is really you know caused by events that target the whole you know gamut of what it is to be black in America, and you know obviously one of the things that we t- we talk about is uh, is is uh, slavery, and then we talk about Jim Crow, we talk about you know things that you haven't directly experienced, but also the things that your parents maybe just got by without even having that outlet to be able to process things. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that we really overlook a whole lot because then within that you build that whole mindset of, oh, well, you know, I just have to be strong. And well, my parents got through these hardships and they didn't have to talk about feelings and, and, and the, the hard things that go on in their life. And it really doesn't have to be that difficult. You mm-hmm. know, it really doesn't have to be. And another thing, just even within the community, too, there's this whole idea of the despair of, of being part of an oppressed and marginalized social group. And we see how, as Blacks, our rights are still not where we want them to be, which is why people protest, right? 
And then also you have policies, stop and frisk and, and the disproportionate apprehension and incarceration rates within the black community. And you can imagine how people are just walking around and, you know, they have anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that's, so that's a great point. I wanted to add to that and just say it really wasn't until recently when I started thinking about therapy for basically therapy for being black. And a big part of that wasn't necessarily an avoidance of emotions because I've never been shy in, in that regard. But in terms of how to resolve some of these issues. And so a good example is like after the time that the police ran up on me and Warren when we were sitting outside of my place and I realize now that in those situations, my approach has been adapt and survive. It hasn't been seek out a space, a safe space to talk about these things. It was adapt and survive. Like I said, I stopped inviting Warren out to DC. I mean, we still hang out together, but that was just something I was like, I, I guess that I have to adjust here and make a change in what I'm doing. I think about, you know, people like Trayvon Martin, for example, what could he have done differently? And it's like, okay, adapt and survive. Don't wear a hoodie at night, you know? But then it's like, at some point it becomes exhausting in these areas. And you realize, yeah, you got to have somebody to talk to about these things. And then we need other people to be able to talk to about these things and and understand what it feels like when, and I've I've used this expression before, but like living in a prison in your own skin, you feel comfortable, hopefully in your own home. But as soon as you step out into the world, you're a black man again. Mm, yeah. And you've got to go through all of those things, you know, make sure I'm, I'm dressed a particular way, make sure that I'm speaking a particular way, make sure that I'm walking a particular distance away from this particular group so that they don't get startled. Make sure that my music isn't too loud. Make sure that I'm driving the speed limit, you know, all of these different things. Yeah. And so many other people just don't think twice about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, man, that's a great point to have a, a space to really talk about those things in long format. Man, this is turning into a little bit of therapy right now, I think. But it's <laughs> yeah. it's so helpful to really and be able to contextualize that. This has been therapy that. for me. Yeah. I've told many people that this is one of the, the biggest pieces of self-care in my week is us sitting down and delving into a topic that is a like a crunchy, difficult topic to deal with. It's something that's a lot of times has given me stress or anxiety or made me really frustrated or sad. And and we take an hour just to sit down and chat about it. And we've all had sort of similar experiences on that thing. It's it's really cathartic yeah. to be in a situation where you can talk to people like this. But most people don't have a podcast to sit down and talk to three other people that feel the same way or have gone through the same stuff. This is important to me. I completely agree. And it, you know, and it makes me just wonder about past generations, right? We all have access to therapy based off our jobs or, you know, things that we do. So we, we have that with good jobs. And just, you know, I, I just think about, you know, some of my family members that did not have that opportunity, that didn't have a therapist, that were going through these horrible things. Like, so it's it's just when people have this view on past generations, like the Mm. horrible things that they've done. A lot of it can probably be traced to a traumatic experience and not being treated for that. Or, you know, if they had a traumatic issue and they took the drugs, like because they couldn't get anxiety medicine or something like that, it just, it, it kind of 
makes me really sad, you know, that so many people have gone through trauma after trauma and, and put that trauma into their kids and how they live their life and are, are just become these, these traumatized adults. And, you know, society has been so affected by these kind of hurt, damaged people and how I'm really glad that this generation and the generation before us are really looking at mental health and kind of getting out of these ongoing traumatic experiences and actually getting help and not just letting it go, not redefining what masculinity is and being tough and going up by your bootstraps type mentality. So I, I am glad that there is a forum like this that exists, that we can talk about this so we can spread the word like, hey, these are four black men who have had various forms of trauma and have had to deal with that and dealt with it in a, with a profession. Um, and I really just hope people take to that and, you know, this kind of spreads and people start to get more help, more professional help. Yeah. And it's I not just lit up to people who are, you know, just pastors or, or count, you know, or, or just a friend to get actual professional help, to get a third party, to get somebody who's not biased or again, as a professional. Yeah. And I, I, I do, uh, I do appreciate you saying that Jason. And one thing I do want to add in terms of uh, how we describe these populations or we describe our family's history, just in terms of going through trauma is I like to, in therapy, a big part of going to therapy is reframing. And uh, so what I like to think of it as is in terms of people being hurt or damaged goods or anything like that, it's working with people who are in the process of healing because we all have our trauma that we are working through and we're just all in different stages of, of the healing process. One thing as we come to a close here, I do want to give a little information just in terms of if you're really on the fence about going to therapy, there are ways to find the right therapist for you. And number one is what Sheldon and Reverend Jason said earlier, <laughs> a referral. So Sheldon, you refer Jason. Yeah. If there's people that you're comfortable with to say, hey, you know, I've been I've been looking into a, finding a therapist or somebody I can talk to or however you want to phrase it. But chances are, if you open yourself up to be able to ask that question and somebody has actually been through therapy, then they won't hesitate to, to give you a referral. Another thing that you can do when looking for a therapist is searching directories. There's Psychology Today, which is more of the mainstream directory that's online. So that's uh, psychologytoday.com. And you can just type in what it is that you're looking for. And you, the reason I like it is because you can, there's different categories that you can select. So if you're looking for, let's say, an African-American therapist or a Latino uh, therapist or you know one that speaks Spanish, then, then you can break it off that way. But another one that I think is really important, and especially for the black community, is melaninandmentalhealth.com. And uh, they list clinicians that really create safe spaces for the, the black community. And I think it's, it's uh, a really valuable resource. Another thing that you can do is reach out to the therapist before. This is, of course, after you, after you locate the therapist. But reach out to that therapist before scheduling an actual session and ask them how comfortable they are discussing things like race. Because let's be honest, not all, not all therapists are at the same comfort level in being able to talk about those things. If the therapist is, is not black, then you can ask them questions like what work they've done in the past to be culturally informed and how their work contributes to dismantling injustice and racism. And it seems like it's a, it's a lot to actually have people 
talk about and to inquire about, but you got to think about, you wouldn't go see a doctor that's just okay at doing something, right? Like if you broke your leg, you wouldn't want a doctor that's just okay at fixing your leg, right? Um, And the last thing is when you're having this dialogue with the therapist that you identify, take into consideration how you physically feel and as well as emotionally feel about having this discussion with somebody. Because if you don't feel right, then it could be a big indicator that you're just wasting your time and your money. So yeah, so those are things that I think are really important steps in the process of finding a therapist for you. One last one I would like to actually add to that is there are a couple services like betterhelp.com that will pair you with someone if you're really having trouble finding someone. And especially during this COVID time, a bunch of my friends have used betterhelp.com to find someone to specifically talk about the exact issue that they want to talk about Mm -hmm. and be able to find a therapist that fits all of their needs on an online platform. Thanks for listening to Blacklight. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at BlacklightPod. That's Black, L-I-T-E, pod. If you have a topic, idea, or feedback you'd like to share with us, You can hit us up at blacklightpodcast at gmail.com.